Welcome to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back for another full episode. As always, joined by Trevor. Trevor, did you have yourself a nice little Monday evening and a, and a happy afternoon so far this Tuesday? Uh, well, technically, it'd be still morning to me since I woke up around 1.45, 2 o'clock. But Monday evening was uh, excellent. The last Raw before the pay-per-view SummerSlam this week. And so, uh, yeah, it was a good Monday. Who? Uh, what, what time did you go to bed last night? <laughs> that, see, that's a trick question because technically it wouldn't have been considered last night. It'd have been well, more. You know, what I, you know, you know what I mean. What time? What time do you, on average, go to sleep? Uh, when when you do go to sleep, and what time do you, on average, wake up? Uh, on average, to bed, uh, circa maybe five five thirty. Uh, five thirty is when a.m. is when you go to bed. Actually, the sun was up when I fell asleep this morning. It was about six thirty. Why? What are you doing? Uh, that's uh, that's. I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I how I don't I mean I could get it if it was every now and then and if you suffered from insomnia do you suffer from insomnia? Uh, I no not necessarily because once I go to sleep I sleep pretty heavily, but I do sometimes. Uh, it does take me a while to get to sleep. Yes. Hmm. I don't think it's complete insomnia. Nick Nick, well, li- I, Nick likes to say I'm li- I live the life of a, of a, of a twelve year old in, in summer vacation. Stay, yeah, but stay you, up all night and sleep all day and play video games through the night, usually. If you're going to bed at 5 and waking up at 2, that's actually still a, a lot of sleep. Yeah, that's still, so, I mean, that's, that's what, uh, 8 hours sleep still, I think, roughly? It's, n- it's 9 hours. 9 hours? Oh, hey, well, I went to Wagner. That's Wagner math for you right there. But, but that's okay. <laughs> um that's that's very interesting to me. That's the math you get when your parents don't pay for your education in high school. <laughs> in college, a lot, uh, I would have a tough time falling asleep where I'd be up until about 2. And then, you know, when I woke up, depended on when I had class, anywhere from 9 to 10. And, that, you know, even that's a, a decent night's sleep. Now I generally go to bed. I try to turn lights out by 11 and be asleep by midnight. Uh, sometimes I'll go a little over that and then wake up around eight, which is still a, a decent night's sleep. But man, I can't believe I, I thought that was just a occasionally you'd go to sleep that late. But that's an every night. No, I'm usually I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, a second shift work, third shift play type person sleeping today. I don't I mean, I, I could get up early, but I don't I mean, what am I going to watch first take? I mean, I'd rather blow my brains out on that one. I mean, well, there's, there's nothing, you, I mean, I, and then anything that I wake up at two o'clock, I can read about before I come on with you at four o'clock. I do a lot of my audio work at night before I go to bed or, you know, before I go to bed in the morning. So, well, uh, yeah, you can read before the show comes on and catch up, but that's I what I do. do that. I, <laughs> I, I was telling you before the show, I've had a pretty bad headache all day. So I'm, so we can't argue. You can't get me riled up today, Trevor. Oh, I'll come. Well, then I'm leaving. There's no point in being here if I can't rile you up and get you mad. Can't get me riled up today. Uh, so I took a I took a nap today, hoping that it would go away, and the nap helped a little bit, but not a not a hundred percent. And I felt like I missed so much just being away from my phone for an hour and a half. So I don't know how you do it for the majority <laughs> of the morning and day. That's not nothing changes when I wake up. It still happened. Yeah, I guess that's. 
Guess that's true. Right, well, we've got when a you're lot sleeping, I'm working. When I'm sleeping, you're working. It, it all evens out in the long run. Yeah, well, at least I've got the normal hours. <laughs> well, one considered what one, one may consider normal, another considers abnormal. We've got plenty to talk about today. It's Tuesday, so we're going to have Rob Doster on with one condition. He told Trevor when they were setting up the interview, there's a chance he might not come on. Trevor, what was what is uh could possibly be stopping Rob from coming on the show today? I tell you, I've done, I've been in this business for almost ten years now, and I've heard some pretty uh, doozy excuses. But he's he's giving me a good one. He said. He might not be able to come on if his wife goes into labor. And then and that's, I mean, seriously, we all know Rob's not getting any. So there's no way she's winning the, he's got a wife in labor. Well, I feel like he has said that she could, she could burst any, any second. Yes. Now yeah, she's, she's due this. She's due. I think, uh, I can't remember. He told me the due date now. I forget what it was, but it's probably around this day. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully. That well, you know, if it happens, that's a good thing too. But uh, the plan is to have Rob Doster on in the second segment. I hope, I hope he's aware if he comes on and she goes to labor after the interview starts, we're not hanging up. We want, we want in, we want in the ambulance. We want along the ride. We want to hear her screaming in the background, yelling for 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 drugs to be to calm the pain. We want, we want to be involved in the whole thing. He might actually, you know, I, I'm sure she probably wouldn't appreciate that, but that might be something that they would enjoy for years to come. Uh, the fact that he was doing radio when she went into labor, and they've got the podcast for it. I had him on the show during at his, on his honeymoon, just uh, the day before he got married, and she came on and said hello on the show as well. So I mean, well, it's that's... not like uh, I mean he can he can be the first journalist to have his child born on the radio. He can look and say, "Take that, Jeff Goodman." I doubt I <laughs> doubt he'd probably be the first person to do that. I don't know. Can you uh, can you name another basketball writer had this kid born on the air? I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Uh, Captain Arg says, "Suppose I, I suppose we can cut Dosti a break today. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll have some good conversation. I imagine he'll probably be on, and and all this speculation uh, will result in nothingness. But it's been a it's been a interesting sports day today. Yesterday was a big UK football day. Uh, news still coming uh, today. Uh, the open practice today." in Lexington, and I thought about going, but one, I'd have to miss the radio show. Didn't want to do that, Trevor. And then, like I said, when that headache uh, came about, that was out of the question. But still more newsworthy today. Here's just a few of the of the nuts and bolts. Um, and, they're, and media members are watching practice right now, so there could be some breaking news. And um, if you're on Twitter or wherever, or if you're on Cats Illustrated, you will see – up to dates of who looks good, who looks, who's playing poorly, uh, this and that. One of the biggest things is Ryan Timmons. Trevor was wearing a boot today on his left foot. Uh, everybody at practice said he seemed to be in a good mood, seemed to be in, in high spirits. He eventually took the boot off and went to uh, went to go ride a bike, one of the stationary bikes. Um, well, I'm sure we'll get more details on what exactly his injury is when Stoops talks to the media. Later today, uh, Ryan Flanagan not practicing, also not wearing a sling. Uh, so that could be a step in the right direction in regards to his shoulder injury. Jeff Bidette in full gear. Um, so, and Stanley Boom Williams in full gear in practicing as well. Uh, Chris Westry, who we talked about yesterday, Trevor, uh, the freshman that is playing with the first team, he's practicing but wearing a red no contact jersey. Uh, so maybe need to see exactly what's going on there. 
Uh, Dorian Baker, I think, jammed his finger. Why would a corner wear a no-contact jersey, by the way? Did they did they get mixed up and thought it said QB instead of CB? Uh, well, no. Cornerbacks uh, go through pretty uh, a lot of drills that involve contact. Uh, they're they're literally just before we came on the air, I was looking at pictures of them doing um, of them doing tackling drills with the cornerbacks, which UK's cornerbacks obviously need that, yeah. but. <laughs> Uh, they do, uh, you know. I'm not trying to be funny, but they do need that. That sounds uh, like so, something I would have said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so he's in no contact. So it seems Kentucky's a little more banged up than than normal, but time uh, time will tell. And probably the next few minutes when Mark Stoops speaks to uh, the media. So there, there's some football update from uh, today. And again, like I said, there will be more coming. As we go on, another football update that doesn't have to do with UK, but has to do a little bit with Louisville uh, and just Kentucky high school football. Uh, Zeke Pike arrested again and has been dismissed at Murray State. That is the third team he's been kicked off of, Trevor. Uh, We were talking about Jones yesterday, Marcellus Jones, as he was dismissed from Kentucky and how he had blown a few opportunities. Uh, Zeke Zeke Pike has blown a few more opportunities. Uh, this time he was charged with, uh, and this was August 16th or just a few days ago, charged with disregarding a stop sign, failure to signal, drug paraphernalia, possession of marijuana, upper operating under the influence, resisting arrest, second degree escape, and an open container. So it sounds like uh, he just got pulled over for a traffic stop, maybe seemed a little loopy, didn't want to cooperate, and when he didn't want to cooperate, the cops were not doing him any favors, didn't make life easy on him. So now he's been dismissed at Murray State. Uh, he was dismissed at Auburn, then enrolled at Louisville for a little bit, played some tight end, and now asked to leave uh, Murray State. And he, if you remember, he was out, out of high school. It was him and Patrick Tolles, and the big debate was who was better, uh, who you know did Kentucky want more, who would have been more important to UK's football program. Well, Zeke Pike says, you know, who cares about UK? From Dixie Heights, he signed with Auburn, uh, had had good offers, had offers from Alabama too, he claimed, and Florida, pretty much everywhere. Uh, Kentucky wanted him, ended up going to Auburn, and now I doubt he will ever play football again would be my guess, Trevor. At least not unless it's in a rec league, I would assume, or maybe possibly hanging out with uh, Adam Saylor in the remake of The Longest Yard too. Uh, I'm. I didn't even realize he was at Murray State. I mean, he was kind. Of, his career's been so weird. First of all, I guess between the Tolls Pike argument, uh, I guess we know who won that one. Uh, but yeah. I mean, when he left Louisville, it was almost like he left under under like the Mayflower coming picking up the Colts and taking them to Indianapolis. It was just something he kind of just like disappeared. He never showed back up on field. It was just one of those things. It was just like oh, we. It was almost like Hulk Hogan with WWE. Louisville pretended like he never existed. He was never there, so we didn't know nothing to do with him. So to be surprised, I guess I guess I'm, I'm, I'm it's saddened to see a kid, you know, obviously not figuring out the, his wrong ways after not one but two different opportunities. But strike three, you're out. And when I look at this list of, of arrest things, at this point, do you really need to put failure to signal on on the charge? I mean, if, you, if you're resisting well, arrest, you have second degree escape, open container, you, you ran to a stop sign. I mean, the fact you didn't put on your blinkers should be completely irrelevant to me. 
Well, when he doesn't cooperate, the cops are just going to do, they're, they're going to make it as difficult for him as possible. I mean, the, the guy's rolling around with weed, possession of paraphernalia, which, I mean, you kind of come on, it goes hand in hand. I mean, if you got weed, you got to have the paraphernalia. You know, you're operating a vehicle under the influence, you're drunk, you got an open container, you ran through a stop sign, you refused to pull over. I guess second-degree escape, I don't know how you can degree an escape. I don't know what's the, the difference between first and second degree. If you're escaping, you're escaping, if you ask me. Yeah, and I would, <laughs> you know, he's a big guy. He, he probably is 6'5", yeah, mean, and I would guess he's at least 240, if not more, uh, maybe 250. Where did he escape from? Cause so, so at this point, do you really need, if you're the cop, being able to throw another charge for failing to use your turn signal when you're trying to run away from the cop? I mean, do you, can you really get a failure to signal if you're if you're trying to escape from the police in a car? Can you really be now, charged with that? Now, let me ask you, because I I just did laugh about it, thinking about it. Is this funny or is this sad? Is this sad that a football player's career that was so promising at one time is seemingly going to be over? I, you uh, know, I can't imagine another school taking a chance on him. Period. I hate this. I, I probably sound like the complete utter DBA hole if I say funny, but I'm already know I'm in that role, so I do think it's a little amusing. But the fact is, it's your third time. It, it, is it sad when you you have trouble at your first school in Auburn and you want to you want to uh, to resurface and, and get a second chance? Then it's kind of sad because you put you see you you think about how it, someone has wasted an opportunity possibly. It's a little not not as much sad. When it's a second opportunity, a Louisville, a home state school on top of everything, and you, you blow that opportunity for whatever reasons. Now, Louisville, I don't remember or recall him being in trouble in any way to this degree or any other way other than the fact he just wasn't apparently getting along with coaching staff and then just didn't fit in at Louisville. But now if you're third time and you're now getting still caught doing this stuff and apparently being acting a fool out and about amongst the, you know, out in the area where you're at in Paducah, which I mean, listen, Paducah's not that big. I mean, it's not like you're not gonna you're not gonna blend in with the rest of the crowd. So I mean, then then yeah, I mean, the sadness almost wears off to the point where you just want to shake your head and go, "You're just being an idiot." Yeah, and I kind of agree. It is almost just funny because, dude, how stupid can you be? And I I'm generally a, a softy, Trevor. I I side with. People when they make mistakes and and generally in four second chances and I guess this would have been a third chance for Pike when he was kicked out of Auburn, it, he got arrested for public intoxication as a freshman. That's and that's apparently sad. he was you know, related. That, he was arrested on another alcohol related charge in four in fourteen at Louisville. So I did I did not remember seeing that. So that's okay. three. That's three now alcohol related things. So now now well, maybe you I can thought, say it shouldn't be funny because he has a he has an illness. Well, I mean. I get well, that. No, I'm not saying it's funny, but well, the, he got I, he had an open container in his car. Yeah, that means not. I, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd necessarily say that's an alcohol. Well, it, it's obviously alcohol related, but uh, he was under the influence. But we don't know if he was under the influence of weed or alcohol. And if he does have an alcohol problem, then that that isn't funny. But the dude was riding around in a car uh, with weed and drug paraphernalia which you say go hand in hand yeah I mean. and likely was either high or drunk driving his car Probably when he had both. already been kicked off when he had already been kicked off two other teams that's stupid yeah. and uh and, and the fact that he tried to escape second degree escape which i would love for one of our listeners to to let me know what second degree escape is and how it's different than first degree i think escape. first degree is you run away second degree you kick the cop in the groin then you run away did you just make that up? Yes, I did. You really think that seriously? You think that's a real thing? 
Well, no, I did not. I didn't. I didn't think that was a real thing at all. But you said it so confidently, and and sometimes you're right. But I should have figured. The next time, I won't even ask. I'll assume everything you say is wrong. But yeah, you know, it is. It is kind of funny. And when he got kicked out of Auburn for public intoxication, a freshman on a college campus drinking. Oh no, you know, it's that that probably would happen everywhere. And it seems like he just got caught at Louisville. I haven't pulled up that it was alcohol related. But I just I'm reading an article that just says he was arrested on another alcohol related charge in early fourteen and did not return to the team when Barbara Chino took over the program, transferring this year to Murray State. That's according to AL.com. Yeah, I wonder if he we don't really know exactly the story there, but if he does have an alcohol alcohol related problem, hopefully he gets help. The good news in that circumstance is I don't want to say it's not serious because that can be serious, but one, you can get plenty of help for that. Two, I mean, he's got to be 21, 22 years old. Uh, he's going to have plenty of time to, to get the help he needs and be able to live a normal life, probably away from football. By, by the way, this is serious. This is all serious. This is reading the definition. A person of guilt is guilty of escape in the second degree when he escapes from a detention facility or being charged with or convicted of a felony. He escapes from custody. So I, I, I joked when I said he kicked the cop in the groin, but it was, I guess, that does kind of uh, – yeah, he didn't have to kick him in the groin, but I guess if you've already been technically handcuffed and you try to run away, I guess that's second degree maybe. Interesting. See, now that would uh, – so, again, I don't want to speculate, but that's exactly what I'm going to do here. So you have a guy that maybe is high or drunk or both that is trying to run away while possibly handcuffed. Yes. I, that's I assume that's by the definition of the uh, of of what second degree escape is. Huh. That's what that is. Interesting. In custody, Absolutely. and I don't think he was in in lockup trying to get out the window with the little in those little bars. So I assume he was probably just being handcuffed and probably sitting on the curb and got to try to jump up and run away. Well, I hope he uh, whatever help he does need. I hope he he finds it. Uh, one, well, well, I'll talk about that with with Rob later. Uh, the fact that Auburn and Alabama, I'm a, I'm a day late. The fact that they're bringing recruits in, uh, back-to-back five stars, is huge for the SEC and interesting. We'll see if that turns into making the SEC better. If if, if it can help the the conference overall, we'll we'll talk with him about that. Uh, some other basketball-related news that we could that will that will drop on on Rob, assuming that his wife doesn't drop a baby. On him is Indiana agrees to an extension with Adidas, and it's going to be a it's an eight year deal if I'm not mistaken, um, and they'll get six point seven million per year from Adidas. Not not necessarily surprised. Adidas is losing a lot of people, so the people that are staying with them, they're throwing a ton of money their way. Would you feel? I know you're a Louisville guy, Trevor. Obviously, and Louisville and Adidas are our buddy buddies and Louisville's got these hideous jerseys they're going to wear for the Auburn game. But if you had a chance, first of all, the helmets, the hideous part, the jerseys just ugly. If if you had a chance for, for Louisville to leave Adidas and maybe take a little less money with Nike or Under Armour, would you be for that? Or, or do you not care about that? I don't care. Honestly, I would say yes, I would want to see it because I wouldn't have to suffer through some of the Adidas uh, train wrecks that they've been giving Louisville the last couple of years. 
but Nike really doesn't do it any better. They do the same. They they do the same pooping the bed of jersey remakes as well. So, you know, yeah, it doesn't bother me. It, I really I could give two bleeps if we're Adidas or Under Armour or Nike, to be honest with you. And we'll see if if Rob has any preference on it. It it definitely does matter with some recruits. I I'll tell you that much. You look at some schools that are getting guys from which circuit, uh, and Adidas's circuit's probably the best it's been this year. Now, if I thought Louisville's recruiting was suffering from it to a degree where I would, then it would matter to me, but I don't think Louisville's really – I mean, you can blank, bring up Antonio Blakeney if you want as an example that maybe it should have been a Louisville, been a Nike, but we don't know if that was really – I mean, how much that would have really changed the, the, the course of time. So I would probably just – again, I, that's so it doesn't bother me. And on the flip side, you have Louisville landing B.J. King, who's a a guy that's been playing with Nike his entire yep. his entire life, and uh, he's going to Adidas. So some people it doesn't matter. Some people it does. Uh, and Louisville's recruiting has been okay. Brun DMC says, I think IU is one of the few jerseys that Adidas hasn't ruined. They've kept the classic look pretty much. They had some different jerseys for the NCAA tournament last year. But I don't think they were that bad. They, uh, I think Adidas kind of gave them a pass, making sure that it still looked traditional. Uh, you know, say I, I, I'm not very high on IU a lot of times. I, I don't <laughs> That's say an understatement. <laughs> I don't say a lot of nice things about them, but they do have nice basketball jerseys. Uh, their their warm ups are stupid and hideous, and but they're traditional. They're not, they don't they didn't change them to be cool and hip like an Oregon would do. That's just that's them being old school. And yeah, but at some point you also have to realize we're wearing candy striped pants and we look like <laughs> idiots. So let's burn those and get them and bury them so nobody ever remembers that we ever did wear them. Have you ever but, owned you a know, pair of candy striped pants, TJ? <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever floats their boat. Uh, we're going to head to a commercial break. When we come back, we'll have oh, Rob Oh, down. real quick, i got to give Captain Arctic a shout-out. By the way, uh, he wants to. He thinks it's overdue. I want to mention that uh, Sky Labissier might not be ineligible. I, I, I saw him say that. Uh, you were you haven't mentioned that in a while. Yeah, I'm, I apologize. I've been, I've been waiting for the uh, smoke to clear, so I just want you to know, be concerned. He may not be eligible for this season. I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to talk about that maybe after Rob. Uh, Captain Arctic, bring that back up in the in the third segment right before five o'clock or after five o'clock because uh, I'm, I'm gonna ask some Tre- i'm gonna ask some hard-hitting questions to trevor about that i might second degree escape from you though <laughs> we'll be right back here on 1450 the sports buzz Maryland. Nope. Brittany. Nope. Tiffany. Nope. Candace. Nope. No, All right, I'm speed round. Serious. I'm gonna rattle off some names, and when I hit you, it, buzz it. Okay. I will tell you, you got me. Yeah. All right, Brandy, Heather, Channing, Brianna, Amber, Sabrina, Melody, Dakota, Sierra, Bambi, Crystal, Samantha, Autumn, Ruby, Taylor, Tara, Tammy, Lauren, Charlene, Chantel, Courtney, Misty, Jenny, Krista, Mindy, Noel, Shelby, Trina, Reba, Cassandra, Nikki, Kelsey, Shauna, Jolene, Erling, Claudine, Savannah, Casey, Dolly, Kendra, Kylie, Chloe, Devin, Emily, Becky. Nope. Wait, was it any one of those names with a Lynn after it? Yes. Oh, I got you. I got you. Okay. 
Brady Lynn, Hevelin, Tammy Lynn. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker, presented by Allen Electric. Sports Buzz, the Sports Talker with me, TJ Walker, is brought to you by Allen Electric, Kentucky, and its first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636 Help for any electrical service. Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. TJ, and, TJ, I just realized something. Yeah. My last name is involved in that skit of included of white trash names. Should I be offended? Uh, no. Okay, just curious. I just I never realized he says Kelsey in there. And it of just... all the things <laughs> that have happened to you where you should be offended, that is not one of them. <laughs> Good to know. Okay. <laughs> That's not one of them. And we're joined by NBC Sports' Rob Doster. Rob, with you being on the air, I assume that you're not officially a dad at this moment. Not yet. It's not, and it's not currently in the process of happening. So you're good to go, man. You can ask me anything you want. Actually, no. Can we kick this off with a question from me to you? Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I feel like Trevor what? Set you up to what? What are you doing, keeping George Bell as a keeper in fantasy football? What are you doing? Well, is that official Rob, yet? Can you change that? It's official. We had our draft on Saturday. Listen. Oh my! What round did Amir Abdullah go in? Uh, well, it's a keeper league, so everywhere, everything is pretty much pushed back two rounds. Uh, let me look up where Amir went. But uh, listen, I, 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 I've talked about this on my show because a lot. he's going to be the he's going to be he's going to be the starter by he's like week three. You know that, right? Yes, he, no, he's going to be the starter. By, By like week three, week four. He uh, Abdullah went in the third round. By the way, seemed like he went a little early, in my opinion. Uh, all right, made, all right, all right. Maybe, yeah, maybe exactly. he was in the third round, and you use yes. Joyce Bell as one of your keepers. Okay, oh. again, Rob. We TJ, we've this, this is why we needed. This is why you needed me on the show last week, so I could talk to you about this, so I could help you. We have beaten this to death on the show. I, I literally, first off, had no other options. Two. There are some penalties if you don't make the playoffs in our league. So I did everything I could in my power to make the playoffs in our league last year. And I did that knowing that I was going to be hurting heading into this season. And I was. But guess what? I drafted a good team. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to make the playoffs again. And I'm not worried about it. I already drafted two running backs that are probably better than Joyke Bell. So my season's going to be just fine. I had to do what I had to do. Uh, I like Bell. He's going to get a ton of touchdowns on the goal line. I've already talked myself into that, Rob. So stop bringing me down, man. Who did you uh, Who did you keep Joy Bell over? Like, what were your What were your other options? Um, John Brown, wide receiver on Arizona. Trey Mason, uh, Julius Thomas, the tight end that just fractured his finger. Um, Johnny Manziel. <laughs> <laughs> Roddy White, Steven Jackson, who's not on an NFL team. You know, those guys. You had an awful fantasy football team last year. I'm just going to throw that out there. I made the playoffs. How? how that doesn't seem possible. <laughs> I made the playoffs, and a team that didn't make the playoffs had uh, LaShawn McCoy, Trevor, who'd that team have that I talked to you so, uh, so did, highly about? Didn't he have about? Marshawn Lynch? Didn't you trade him Marshawn Lynch? Yeah, LaShawn McCoy, Marshawn Lynch, uh, Russell Wilson, and that team came in dead last. And guess what? He had to go pick up a keg and pay for it all on Saturday. So I got to drink for free during my draft. Rob, how do you feel about that? And I'll do it again next year. 
I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit jealous. I wish I was drinking for free right now. <laughs> You're a little stressed with the baby? No, not at all. <laughs> you just want to be drinking for free? Yeah. I mean, don't you? No, uh, yeah, uh, I, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty content being sober right now, but if somebody wanted to offer me a beer, I, I would probably drink it, I suppose. You're, so you're like the polar opposite of Trevor. Which, by the way, Trevor, you should not be offended that Kelsey was mentioned in the names of, of the in white trash names because you're white trash. So, like, it fits. <laughs> uh, oh, I'll say, before we get to joking on Trevor, I want to throw in something. Yates just texted in and said, TJ's like the Atlanta Hawks of fantasy football. Just, just enough to make the playoffs <laughs> with never having a hope of winning anything. <laughs> that that, that is that is true. Eventually, I've got to break the the trend, and we have pod systems for our draft. So if you don't make the playoffs, you're guaranteed a top four pick. Uh, a lot of people are saying that it might be best for me just to tank one year, just so I can get a top four pick. But I've got an okay team this year. Again, uh, uh, a lot of people disagree with that too. But I got Drew Brees, so that's a better keeper than I had to begin with. No, then, you don't want. This is like the year you don't want Drew Brees. Everybody keeps saying yeah. that, but that, me, that everybody keeps saying that. But one, he's still going to be a top five quarterback. Two, even if he is no, a little not. bit down, that's okay. Three, you never want to count out Drew Brees. Are you kidding me? The fact that everybody keeps saying that makes me even feel better about it. Um, so how many touchdowns is he going to throw to Jimmy Graham this year? No, uh, he won't have Jimmy Graham. But next man up, you know exactly, how, exactly. You know so how you, sports and, works. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, you're right. Uh, yeah, I'll be okay. Um, are you familiar with the term? Are you are you familiar with the term dead money? <laughs> no, I'm not. Tell me about it. <laughs> it's the reason that we keep Troy in the the fantasy league that I'm in with him. It's because you know that there's always going to be free money, but you never have to worry about him actually taking any of that money home. Hey, we our fantasy football league is 11 years running. I've been to two championships. That ranks me third in the league. I've uh, We got a ranking system. I'm fifth in the ranking system out of 20 guys that have been in and out of the league. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't need fantasy advice from the likes of you, Rob. You know, fifth isn't very good, right? Fifth out of 20 guys that have been in the league, 12 guys that are currently in the league, that's upper half. That's the Atlanta that's, Hawks so slogan. That's like, yeah, that's like, that's like Florida State basketball. No, where's Florida State basketball fifth in terms of all-time basketball programs? I'm like, I'm like Kansas. No, but Florida you're, State is fifth in no, the ACC. You're not. Yeah, but it's not. It's not yeah. the ACC. This is overall. This is big picture. I've yeah, been to a lot of championship like six, games. There's, six, there's sixteen teams. Yeah, Florida State went to a championship game in 2012. Okay, well, Rob, we. we we didn't have to the NCAA right? tournament. They made the NCAA finals in the sixties. I get yeah, I get, yeah, crap in the I get crap from my friends in the league enough where I don't need to bring on my guests on my radio show uh, to berate me on on my keepers and who I pick. <laughs> TJ, you well, said I could rob you up today. You said nothing about Rob. Yeah, and I and before the show, Rob, I was telling Trevor how I basically have had a migraine all day. I've wanted to stay calm and cool. It hasn't gone away yet. I'm still doing the radio show because I'm a hero, and now you're getting me worked up. Well, good. You know, when you get worked up, your adrenaline starts flowing, and adrenaline is always good for migraines. Trust me, I'm a doctor. 
Yeah, okay. All right. Well, let, let's. I, I, I would be. I'd be disappointed if I didn't ask you some college basketball questions. One, did you happen to get right. to watch Louisville play in Puerto Rico at all? Did you buy the $10 stream that never really no. worked? It was the biggest ripoff in the history of ripoffs. Of course I didn't buy that stream. What a what a what a joke that they just couldn't even tele televise those games or even put them on ESPN 3 or something like that. So you you have no idea what happened down there and and, and don't feel comfortable talking about it. No, I mean, I, I read about it, and I know kind of what's going on. And, you know, I, I talked to some people around the program about the trip, and um, they're, you know, I don't think they're that worried about this season. I mean, you're talking about a group of new guys, a bunch of young guys um, that were going up and playing against like, NBA guys and pros. And, and, you know, it's not all that surprising to me that they kind of struggled a little bit more than I think some people expected. Um, you know, I think the bigger concern that a lot of people saw was that, oh man, what's going to happen when we lose Damian Lee next year? You know, who are you, who, who's going to come in? Who's going to score? You know, so I think that's the the bigger red flag because you know I think everyone around the Louisville program kind of knew coming in that this was going to be a little bit of a transition season. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they got some young guys, they got a really good recruiting class coming in, and they had to go out and get those two grad transfers because. They needed a veteran presence at the point, and they needed somebody on the wing that was going to be able to score. So, you know, I think they kind of knew what the season was going to be, but I think the bigger red flag was kind of like, oh, wow, you know what? We really need to go out and find somebody in the 2016 spot. Yeah, and I didn't watch a lot of the – I watched some of those games, the ones that worked. The streams were just awful for them. I, I – it's going to be, I think it could be a rough year for Louisville. And, and you never really want to count out Rick Patino, but outside of Damian Lee, they're not going to have a lot of scoring, period. Even Trey Lewis will help. And like you mentioned, those two guys will be gone after a year. And then it could get really dicey for Louisville moving forward. But um, it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, how, what Rick Patino can do with this team. I, I certainly think they're going to take a step down. Yeah, the, the, go the other thing was he said – the, the one positive sign to me is that he said that Ray Spalding has the most potential of any player that he's ever had in Louisville. And you got kind of got to take that with a grain of salt because, you know, Rick Patino has a reputation for kind of saying some ridiculous things and, and exaggerating a little bit. But that's promising to me because, you know, in this recruiting class, he was, I, I was much higher on Dang Adele and much higher on. Um, Donovan Mitchell. I think both of them are going to end up being really, really good players for Louisville down the road. And he, he is that high on Ray Spalding. You know, Spalding can never get it together. I think he could end up being, you know, he could end up being a really good class for him. And the other part of it, they're involved with some guys in 2016. And the good thing about this 2016 class is that there is enough talent throughout the top 50, enough impact players that even after Kentucky gets their kids and Duke gets their kids and, you know, Kansas gets their kids, there's still going to be guys that are, you know, capable of being, you know, all American caliber players and capable of being first round draft picks and one and done guys available in like the, the, the late teens and the early twenties and the thirties, um, just because, you know, this, this class is just that strong. I certainly think it's one of the better guard classes. Uh, actually, I think it's the best guard class in the history of 
of recruiting rankings, and then it's just a pretty deep class overall too. But you also wrote about today everything you need to know about the College Hoops tip-off marathon, which it seems like a long way away, but it'll be here before we know, which starts November 16th and obviously goes into November 17th. Uh, you, you had said that the Dude, best that is three watch. months away. Think about that. That's three months away still. That's so far. We'll get there. That's a, we'll get there. That's a quarter, got quarter of the year. Quarter of the year. We've got college football, and I'll be able to prove everybody wrong about my fantasy team over the next few months, so it'll fly by. Fly by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it will. Yeah. So, well. I, need to, I need to go on a rant about that, though, because uh, about the way they schedule it, because it's, 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 it's stupid. It's moronic. I, look, I don't know how much you know about the history of the Maryland-Georgetown rivalry, but the two campuses, College Park, Maryland, is a stone's throw from the D.C. border. So the two campuses are like 10 miles apart. The two fan, huge fan bases, the two passionate fan bases, um, but they've played each other like three times in the last 30 years, once in the NCAA tournament and twice in those like preseason tournaments. I think one was in like the old Spice Classic or something. And they don't play during the regular season anymore because in the 1980s, when Lefty Drysdale and John Thompson Jr. were still there, they played a game at the Capitol Center, which was technically Georgetown's home court. Um, but it was like on, in, on paper, it was a Maryland home game. So Maryland was saying at the time, look, the next time we play has to be at Maryland on College Park. And Georgetown was saying, no, that was a Maryland home game we just played, so you guys have to come to us to play the next time. And it turned into this huge big deal, and now the two teams, they don't even play each other in any sport. That's how much the two programs and the two athletic departments hated each other. And it, it, it went on to this day, and the reason that this got put together was for the Gavit games. The Big East and the Big Ten are doing this thing where they're trying to, you know, it's, it's like the ACC Big Ten Challenge, but it's the Big Ten and the Big East, and they're doing it earlier in the year. And it's just trying to drum up a little bit of excitement for the sport, you know, before January and February, and, and when the season is still young. It's a good thing, except that it's getting buried by the Kentucky Duke game. Like, I don't understand why the second most intriguing matchup in that entire event has to take place at the exact same time that Duke is playing Kentucky. It's just, it's stupid. I, I just, it's not the exact you know, I, same I don't time. get it. It's, it's an hour and a half afterwards. So you could, you're going to watch the end of the Kentucky Duke game, and then you're going to catch the Georgetown Maryland game midway through the first half, and you'll be fine. You're no, it won't, be, it won't be midway through the first half. By the time that the Kentucky Duke game ends, the, the first half for Maryland Georgetown is going to be over. And by the time that halftime Maybe. is back, there's going to be like 10 minutes until. Kansas plays Michigan State. It's going to be completely overlooked by the fact that they're having the Champions Classic on ESPN as the cap of the, the tip-off marathon, the biggest preseason event where game day is going to be. The, the Maryland-Georgetown game is, is – I don't, I don't understand. But my point is, you know, if you have a game that is this big and this intriguing and, and, and with this much of a rivalry on the line that never happens and, and – in the regular season, why can't you move it up a day? Move it back a day. Put something well, else there. Like there's, there's so many other games that can be played. You have to play this exact game at the same time as the biggest game before conference season starts. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. It's stupid. It's dumb. It's not fair for you know this event. And I, I just, I, I think that they could have done a lot more with that. And it's really annoying that they're scheduling them at the same time. And I. I... 
I agree that they should have spread it out. You should have had Georgetown, Maryland, Look, maybe, right. be the, maybe be the marquee the game bottom. on Monday night, and then you have a great two nights of basketball. But I do think you're you're going to miss some of it because Kentucky-Duke. But then I'm going to watch Georgetown versus Maryland over Kansas-Michigan State. That's a better game than me, so I'll still watch it. And then I'll be able to catch the end yeah. of the Kansas-Michigan State game. Or you hook up two TVs like a normal person, Rob, in 2015. Well, I'll, first of all, I'll be at the Champions Classic, so I'm not going to have the ability to set up two TVs. But the other well, part of it is the other part of it is there. there's only – how many – legitimately exciting games are there. there. There are games that can garner national interest, that can get a big audience in college basketball in the month of November. There's maybe like 10 of them, maybe 12. You know, yeah. it, it's, not, it's not like there is a lot going on in November. And when you're going to take two of those games, three of those games, and schedule them all at the same time, it's just, it, it's just it's stupid to me. It, you know, if you have to have it on that Tuesday, why not have that game be at like, five o'clock and have that be the lead into the champions class. Why are you scheduling all that at the exact same time? It's just, it absolutely makes no sense. Uh, I, I think that it's, they're doing a disservice to the sport, you know, and when you're trying to drum up interest in college basketball at that point of the season, it's just so dumb to me to have those games be played at the exact same time. You want you know, if I'm going to be honest, you want to know what I think I'm the most mad about is I was really excited I live down here in D.C., so I was really excited about getting the chance to go to that Maryland-Georgetown game. And so now you're making me pick between Maryland-Georgetown and going to the Champions Classic? Come on. What are you doing to yeah. me? I'm going to have to have well, a word with ESPN. Well, no offense. Jay I'd Billis. Probably I blame just, Jay Billis. I'd probably, just, I'd probably just stay close to home and just still go to the Georgetown-Maryland game. It's that good enough game, or maybe it's not a gives you, it doesn't give you a great excuse to miss Kentucky-Duke, but... It's so close to home. Yeah, probably, that's the thing. Like, I, I mean, I live here. I'll get to I'll get to five Georgetown games and five Maryland games this season. You know, it, it's they're like it, it takes me fifteen minutes to get to the Verizon Center. It takes me forty five minutes to get to the Comcast Center. You know, I, how many times am I going to have a chance to watch uh, Kentucky and Duke and Kansas? You know, as well, play in person. I'm not a lot. Yeah, that's so true. And and you mentioned that you're going to be in the United Center. If you're up in the press box where they usually send me, uh, one, bring your binoculars. You're not going to get to see much of those games to begin with. And you can still pop on ESPN3 on your computer, Rob. You can do four screens. You can do all the games you want. And you're probably going to need to get the game that's going on right in front of you down there on your screen, too. Because but I, I mean, yeah, that's a, I, know, I know you're able to watch it, but the point is, for a game like that, you shouldn't have to do that when it's not necessary. I get it if it's like, if it's February, if it's late February, and there's like all these different conference matchups going on, and you have like Iowa State playing Kansas for first place, and Duke is playing North Carolina for first place, and Maryland and Wisconsin are squaring off. Like, I get that. In late February, that's okay. In late November, it's just, it's not okay to have those two games overlap. Like I said, it's a disservice to the sport, especially when it's a rivalry like that, when there's that much going on. Like, ESPN can drum that up and get people to tune into the game because people love watching rivalry stuff. You can make it seem like, oh, wow, these two schools hate each other and they don't play each other because they're pissed off about something that happened 30 years ago. Like, there's a story there. You can drum it up. You can drum up interest. You can get people to come to watch it. It just doesn't make sense to me that you would schedule them at the same time. You know, Georgetown fans, the game's going to be on ESPN too. Georgetown and Maryland fans are going to be able to watch it if they want to watch it. It's, it's going to be streamed. You can watch it on your laptop, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you want, your Samsung 
HG, G6, whatever those phones are called. It's just, it's dumb to me that you would, I don't know. I'm fired up about it, man. I can't help you it. You're fired like up. Trevor when he finds out, this is like Trevor when he finds out, found out that Fantastic Four wasn't very good. Trevor? I knew that from the previews. <laughs> Uh, before we let you go, Rob, I just uh, just quickly, we'll find out this week whether Jamal Murray is likely going to play for Team Canada, if he'll make their 12-man roster, what the deal is there. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in that situation? There's still so much to be determined, whether the U.K. will let him, the NCAA will let him, which I still don't understand why that's the NCAA's job. Uh, what, what do you think happens in that Jamal Murray-Canada situation to help get Canada eligible for the Olympics? Well, I mean, well, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way that he can get a waiver because it, it's it's it seems silly to me that a kid who is this good at, at what he does athletically, who has a chance to help his team, his country qualify for the Olympics, is not going to be allowed to because he's going to have to go sit in class for intro psych. Like, look, the kid's a professor, going to be a professional basketball player. Maybe he's a great NBA player. Maybe he ends up playing in Europe, whatever ends up happening, this kid's future lies in basketball. And, you know, it's just, it's dumb to me that this is even a conversation because, look, man, you went to college, what do you do in those first two weeks of of freshman year class? Nothing. Not very much. Sorority girls? He's going to be taking, like, intro to psych and intro to sociology, and, you know, he's probably going to have, like, uh, fundamentals of basketball class or something like that. He's like, this is not going to ruin his education by missing the first two weeks of class. So give the kid a waiver. Let him have a chance to perform for his country. Let him help get his country to the Olympics and stop being so dumb about it. Just, there's got to be a way that the NCAA can make this happen. Because if not, you know, uh, it's unfair to the kid. I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see a situation where the best thing for him, for his future, for him athletically, for him as a person, is to take away you know, this experience. And, and, you know, I just, I think it would be really unfair if he wasn't able to go with the team. Or like maybe if he has to, if he goes and then he has to enroll at the end of the first semester, I think that that's unfair too, because I I just, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. There's gotta be a way that you can work this out. There's gotta gotta be an answer here that that we're not fine. This could be a once in a lifetime opportunity for him to help Canada qualify. And also like, like you mentioned, he's not going to miss anything or anything that he probably couldn't do online while down in Mexico City playing basketball, too, because it's going to be 500-word essays that he could knock out in 20 minutes. But uh, we'll see. Seriously, we, we can live stream anything to a phone. Just have someone in there in class, periscope the professor, so instead of falling asleep in class, he could fall asleep in his hotel room while he's sitting there watching it <laughs> on his phone. That's a great idea. I think, Rob, you're going to open up a can of worms by letting him periscope that, and you're going to have kids doing it all the time. Why not, dude? That's brilliant, right? It is. Like, you, you can literally – we have so much technology, except now we have to actually go and sit in class and, and, and be there for attendance. How about attendance is now you have to log in on your phone if they have to see your login. You're going to be, just, you're, you're going to be paying just as little attention if you're looking at it on your phone as you are when you're sitting there in class. That's true. I think I, it's I, brilliant. I can speak from experience on that sort of thing. Uh, but, Rob, as I'll always... Tell you what, man, I'll tell you what, I've, I've always been really good at finding a way to get out of going to class. Well, <laughs> we need to talk about that next week. Because uh, I'm sure we could swap stories. 
<laughs> All right. I might have stayed longer at WKU if I'd had this opportunity. All right, Rob. Thanks, <laughs> and uh, best of luck to your wife and on the on the birth of your child, which should. How about me too? Soon. I don't get I don't get any luck. I don't, I don't get any luck. I said, and you too. You interrupted me. All right. Oh, cool. you're not good. making my headache. You got a lot more to do. Uh, yeah, you Rob, got a lot more to do than me. Rob's going through a lot headache. sitting in the waiting room talking to us while she's in going through labor. Yeah. Good. Good. Good luck to you, Rob. All right, we'll get you. We'll get you <laughs> next week, Rob. Uh, good luck to everybody in the Doster family. There we go. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next week. Rob Doster, NBC Sports. Woo! Man. I need to go take more Advil, Trevor. <laughs> Actually, ironically, though, you got a little riled up in that, but I think Doster was the most riled up in that interview. He did. I mean, he did not like the Georgetown of Maryland. On a game that's not going to take place for three months, he got really worked up about it. But I get his point, though. I mean, if you're, I mean, to us, maybe it doesn't seem like it should be a big a deal because we live in Louisville, Kentucky. And but I mean, what if it'd been if the roles reversed and this was a, you know, nineteen and we're sitting in 1984 and Louisville, Kentucky are about to play for the first time ever, and or you know they haven't played since maybe '83 since the dream game, and this was our situation. I'd be a little upset too if we were buried behind. Somewhat uh, the uh, the bigger matchup of the uh, the season in a, in a game that we haven't seen in so long, and he's but right. ESPN loves fluff pieces. I mean, this is something they could milk heavily. Well, I, I I just think they should have moved it a day earlier for Monday, yeah. and it would get a ton of a ton of. It would be better for ESPN. So I think they messed up that. But you know, it's still on TV, and we're not going to be able to give it our full attention. But realistically, that UK Duke game is going to end around nine thirty nine forty five. So you are going to miss. Uh, 10 to 17 or 10 to 13 minutes of the first half of Georgetown, Maryland. But, but that's not the be able to, then you'll be able to watch the end of that game and only miss probably, you know, uh, likely maybe just 45 minutes of the Kansas Michigan state game. So you're going to watch the entire half of that game. I, there's a way you can have your cake and eat it too here from a TV perspective. Now I know he's going to be in Chicago, so that's going to make things dip, more difficult for him. And he's got to go down and get interviews from Calipari and coach K after the end of their game. And so it won't work out well for him, but for your average fan watching TV at home. And like I said, you probably should have a two TV setup. You'll be just fine. But my point is, is I agree. That's half the, half the situation is, yeah, you, you can watch it. You're not gonna miss much of it. But to me, it should, it's going to get buried in terms of being talked about, though. I mean, because it's not going to be, even though, yeah, you can watch both games with having two TVs, or you can only miss a certain few minutes of that game between Duke and, and, and Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State. But in terms of post game or even going into the game, it's getting buried because of Kentucky, Duke, Michigan game. No one's going to talk about it. even after the game's over. You think ESPN's going to say anything about Georgetown? Man? It'll get a yes, blimp. Will. It will yes, get a blimp of highlights yes, between them going back to Chicago to talk more Kentucky, Duke, and then going back to Chicago to talk uh, more Kansas, Michigan. Who are we even kidding about, anyways, Trevor? On Tuesday, November seventeenth, ESPN's going to be talking NFL, anyways. They're going to be talking college oh, football, anyways. True. Duke, Kentucky's just going to get a little blip of coverage. Uh, so it, you know. It's not going to ultimately, it's not going to matter. And it it is unfortunate that it's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm sure Maryland's probably going to end up beating them rather easily. Probably. But it's Rob, man, really got worked up about it. But that's fine. We're we're way behind on a commercial break, so we need to go to one now. We'll be right back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. I was a little too tall, could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering out. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes. 
voice all her own, sitting way up high. You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door. That way Lumberg can't see me. <laughs> and uh, after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Uh, space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. Presented by Allen Electric. I'd say in a given week... I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. A real gangster type player plays his cards right. A real gangster type player never runs his mouth because real gangsterized players don't start fights. We're back here, 1450, the sports buzz. Long segment with Rob Dosser where he had very angry with the, fa- the, the 24-hour basketball scheduling marathon and you can find that entire schedule at NBC sports college basketball talk.com. I do have good news for Rob though. Uh, I did realize this at the break. Uh, Renshaw, our, our old buddy, John Renshaw is going to that Maryland Hoya game. Uh, he lives up in that area now and he, uh, he's told me he's going, he's ready to go that game. So when he probably at some point runs onto the court drunk to punch a Hoya player, then it will steal the spotlight away and get the spotlight. It deserves as a rivalry game. I'm a little that that would be fun to watch, uh, and I hope that happens. I'm a little disappointed with the overall schedule, though, of of the 24 hour marathon. And there was one year when I was in college, I stayed up and watched. I might have I might have taken a nap for like an hour, but stayed up for the the vast majority of it and watched most of the games. There's just not you know you're going to get to see some good players. You're going to get to see Virginia play at George Washington on that Monday. You'll get to see Ben Simmons on Monday as well, and then Baylor at Oregon could be fun. That's at 11.30, so I doubt I'll be up for that. But I'll let then, you know how it goes. But then nothing really all that exciting, even Tuesday or during the middle of the night, which is understandable. I didn't expect there to be all that all that many great games. Well, during- you, you got to think, though, if you're an East Coast, if you're going to do the four or five the eight in, in the middle of the night games, you're eight, you've got to be a either – a sm- no big school is going to say on the East Coast, say like East Tennessee State's doing a 6 a.m. game. I mean, you're not going to get Tennessee to go, well, can you be no, at the I, 6 a.m.? I, I know that. I'm not saying yeah. I want really good games that early in the morning, but would it have hurt to, you know, Oklahoma at Memphis at 5 o'clock? That's okay, but yeah. couldn't they have done something better there? And Colorado at Auburn, that one actually I'm kind of excited about just because I, I do like watching Bruce Pearl, but – Basically, the Monday night games are a little underwhelming, and then there's none that really jump out as as sexy on Tuesday up until Kentucky versus Duke, and then you finish with a bang with those three. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a little underwhelmed, but they probably generally are, are not very great year in and year out. So. I kind of agree. You could have moved Oklahoma-Memphis to 8 a.m. to me. I mean, I, I don't think that would have been too bad. I mean, and, and, and you could just move. And, 8 a.m.? Yeah, put them at eight AM. Screw it. I mean, I'm, you're, I'm sure they wouldn't have wanted that, but you could have put them at like one PM. Listen, you're, if you're if you're Oklahoma and Memphis, you, what, what foot do you have to stand on? You're Memphis. I mean, you're just looking to keep your kids on campus at this moment. Josh Patrick, you're looking to just have a job, take whatever time they tell you to play in, and the end you get probably more people to watch you at, at eight AM than you probably would at five PM. Man, harsh. 
I'm just saying the truth. No offense to Stephen F. Austin, Northern Iowa. Just bump them. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll just get rid of Green Bay, East Tennessee State altogether. Sorry for uh, for any of our affiliates down East Tennessee State listening. I doubt there's any in Green Bay. You know, move them up to six. Just bump them completely. Move Steve F. Austin up in Northern Iowa up. Just move everybody up a little bit. Let's get rid of Valpo and Rhode Island completely, and then we can just uh, move everybody up in time-wise. And if you do that, then you can put Georgetown, Maryland at maybe 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock where it's completely on its own, at least to a better degree than it is being split, stuck in the middle of Kentucky Duke and Kansas Michigan State. That's, well, a, that's a step forward opposed to being, you know, in the middle, at least better than being nothing. Well, it's they're not going to change anything, unfortunately, <laughs> Trevor. I don't necessarily disagree with your opinions. I don't think Memphis and Oklahoma would want to play that early anyway. So but I should stop writing my angry email to ESPN? <laughs> I think you should quit writing that angry email. Okay. Anyways, we are going to – we need to, to finish up our conversation on defensive backs from yesterday on the position by position series. And we're also going to, we're going to tackle special teams and then we'll have done every position, Trevor. We're, we're going to do one more tomorrow, just a, a season outlook. And we'll talk about some of the coaches, uh, but we're, it's winding down, which means football season isn't too far away. So today we're, we've got to finish up the defensive back debate. Uh, there's just a little tidbit I want to talk about there. And then, We'll talk special teams, which there isn't all that much to talk about there either. But uh, let's let's get to it, Trevor. This arm ready to throw about two thousand yards next fall. Deep right side line got a man. Twenty-five, twenty. We got a touchdown, Kentucky. Johnson. And let me tell you what, you're looking good. Floats it up the far sideline. Catch made. Javis Blue across the 45. Gets the block. Cuts left at the 50. Look out. He's across the 30. He's across the 20. He's across the 10. Five. Touchdown, Kentucky. 13 starters coming back. 22 little men. Kemp straight ahead. Touchdown, Kentucky. Looking tough. His squad is in the house. Steps up in the pocket. Slides right at the 10. Sack. Zadarius Smith. Let's open up the whole can of kick ass and kill them all. Let the paramedics sort them out. Thomas throws far side. Intercepted. Uh oh. Down the far sideline. It's Marcus McWilson. Pick six. Touchdown, Kentucky. All right. One thing I wanted to point out about the defense backs and, and Kentucky's open practice is, is winding up here soon. And, and, and Westry was still running with the first team. Uh, Derek Beatty was running with the first team as well today. So some of the young guys are going to play. I think that's a good thing. I, I, a lot of people I talked to close to UK says they're not as concerned about defensive back as maybe I was Trevor, or maybe as you are, which is a, a step in the right direction. I don't think they're going to be the best unit in the SEC, but I, I do think they will be better than last year and not be a, a major weakness like they were last year. But one thing I wanted to mention is a guy like Chris Westry, who I'm incredibly high on uh, as a recruit, just his body size. Again, he's got close to a seven-foot wingspan if it's not a seven-foot wingspan. Uh, he's from Florida, 6'4", over 180 pounds. It looks like he's a, a basketball player. Now, he was originally committed to Auburn, Trevor, and I had forgotten about this, but he was originally committed to Auburn, and uh, 
was told that he could get some playing time right away from uh, at Auburn. Uh, and then then Auburn brought in Will Muschamp, and that kind of changed things for Westry. Uh, and it might have changed things for Auburn for Westry as well. Maybe Muschamp didn't like him as much. Maybe Westry didn't like Muschamp. But he when he decommitted from Kentucky, it was about two weeks before signing day. So UK is lucky to have a guy like this uh, where he could be preparing to play against Louisville in just a few weeks instead of uh, getting Louisville the last game of the year. But the point is, this is a guy that could be playing at another very high-level SEC team, and he's not the only UK guy that that had offers from big-time schools like Auburn's. And Kentucky's starting to piece together uh, players that other really good teams wanted, and that's something that has been missing from UK's football program really since probably 2009. Uh, even Randall Cobb wasn't recruited by a lot of the big boys. He was a he was a miss across the board. Uh, Tennessee. Offered him very late, but he stuck with Kentucky. So that's a, a step in the right direction. The, the entire secondary all had some impressive offer sheets. Uh, and, and Chris Westry, again, Kentucky was lucky to get him from Auburn. So uh, defensive backs will be improved. Long story short, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, I can't really get much worse than sometimes. But I'm interested to see this, this Chris Wesley play. You've talked so much about him. The size is very intriguing, especially in today. In football, where you, a lot of times you want your corners to be bigger, you can look at the Seattle Seahawks as being kind of this one, one of the more popular current teams that employ the big corners, the big guys that they can just. You know, obviously, you don't want your five foot eight corners out there getting over jumped over from by Randy Moss, like six foot four wide receiver. So, the big corner has been the more popular trend of things, and you can't get much bigger than six four with a near seven foot wingspan. Take a drink if I was Jay Billis saying that. So, I mean, it, I, do I worry thinking about putting a, a someone so young out there at starting corner? Yes, especially when you're talking about you have experienced guys, whether they be good or not, coming back. I guess we've talked about this, about experience. doesn't necessarily mean good. Just because Fred Taylor may be a senior doesn't mean he's better than a freshman. But uh, I, I do get a little worried. I, again, I, I'd, I'd like to see the improvement. I'm looking forward to seeing this kid get some playing time and get out there because I do like the safeties. The corners are where I have my – my biggest doubt. I, I think the, I'm almost, the more I've, I've talked, the more I've thought about it and talked about it, I'm almost feeling better about the corners than I am the linebackers, especially with Flanagan banged up, although all signs point to him being okay. That's not good when you run a 3-4, by the way. You can't have that much question marks about a linebacking core when you run a 3-4. No, it's not It's not ideal. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but. I I think UK's defense overall is going to be much better, and that's kind of the what we've said about every positional unit, saying, yeah, yeah, I think they're going to be better. They might not be great, but they will be better than they were last year, and that will overall, UK's defense is going to look different than it did last year. Now, will it look great? Will it not be the weakness on the team? I'm not 100% sure about those two because they had a long way to go last season. I mean, a really long way, but I do think it's moving – Moving forward, it's getting better players in, higher caliber players. Uh, when you have a freshman that can push a senior that had started for two years, uh, that's that's kind of telling to where UK's football program was, Trevor. So that's a good thing. All good things. Still might be some bumps and ups and downs on the defense. You might still have teams that are going to drop 40 on Kentucky this year, uh, but you, you can't make it as common as it was last season, and I, and I think that will be – 
I, I think that will be clear when you're watching. And, and I remember I, I wrote about UK's defensive backs um, for on media day, and my lead was clever. I remember it. Uh, heading in this time last year, Trevor, UK's defense wasn't very good two years ago, and we were talking about how U- UK could improve as a unit on that side of the ball and how they were taking steps in the right direction. All those things were true. It just showed you how much, how far they still had to go and still have to go. But the story back then, this time a year ago, was UK's defense didn't have any interceptions in 2013. And, and I think they ended up maybe finishing with one or something like that. But everybody's talking about, oh, you can't be a good defense, especially the defensive backs, if you're not picking off passes. Well, sure enough, last year, uh, they picked off a lot of passes. Not Holloman numbers, uh, but as a unit, they, they they picked off a lot of passes and, and did a lot of good things, taking step forwards on that side of the ball, forcing turnovers. Now, what my story was all about was, okay, they've got the interceptions down. Now they just need to continue to get better all around as a defensive as defensive backs and coincidentally as defense as a whole. And, and I think they'll do that. I think you do have a good coaching staff that's moving in the right direction. So uh, that, that could wrap up our defensive back talk unless you have anything else to add. Uh, yeah, just like you said, show improvement. Do you need to not give up in zero 40-point games? Probably not. But like I told someone a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Kentucky football, I, I said this team, he's he, – was being down. He's kind of the uh, downer anyway about Kentucky football. He's a Bengals fan, so it makes sense to him be depressed on a regular basis about football in general for his life. And uh, he said, you know, he's just another season where we can't compete and we, we're just not going to win anything. And I said, and I disagreed with him. And then this is coming from someone who d- does not like Kentucky. He's a big global fan. I said, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think you're ready to ne- necessarily win in the SEC, but I think you're good enough to compete. And that's the first step you got to take, especially coming from the Joker Phillips era. I mean, you can't, you can't just suddenly – Wake up and say, "I'm ready to, to marry a supermodel." You got to work your way up there, you know. Get get to get to work and, and get the baby stepping on the way there. And last year, this defense gave up four, over 400 yards passing in, in the air on, on on average per game. I mean, that's just, you can you got to cut that down. Show that you can compete. Like you said, limit. If you give up a 40 point game, you can. That's going to happen probably. Look at your schedule. God, for God's sakes, it's almost inevitable. But just limit them. Maybe only do it once. Maybe twice. And in those games, if you're lucky, maybe you score 45 and you gave up 40. So just make the – I think the Kentucky's ready to compete defensively. I don't necessarily win, but at least compete. And first step is compete. Next step, compete more. And then, then winning is, comes right after that. And hopefully it stays in that same direction under Stoops. Yeah, uh, that, that, that I agree. And I think we've, we've talked enough about it. Now let's move to special teams. Yeah, let's give uh, the kickers all the love they deserve. There's, there's not going to be too much – uh, here and there to talk about, but they're they're going to be returning both their punter and uh, their kicker from last season. Those are good things. Uh, you you had Landon Foster, the punter. He punted sixty six times in two thousand fourteen. That was down from from two thousand thirteen. Well, that's uh, his good. A- his average was up. Uh, there's nothing really to talk about there. He's going to be fine as a senior. Uh, he he did a good job for the most part. Had to punt a lot of times for UK. And some of those later in the year, uh, you hope maybe he his punting numbers go down even more. And now Austin McGinnis, the kicker, is a he, he moves into his redshirt sophomore year. Now this is going to be a little bit more interesting from him uh, because if you're a Kentucky football fan, especially over the past few decades, uh, kicking has never seemed to be Kentucky's strong suit. And last year, you had him 
making some ridiculous kicks, including a 51-yarder at Florida to send the game into overtime. Uh, he tied a school record with the 53-yarder against Ohio um, and even broke his own record with a 54-yarder at Tennessee. Uh, so he shows he has shown that he's got some leg. He had 21 to 27, which uh, you know missing six isn't ideal, and he did miss some short ones. But uh, it's it seems for once in UK's football history, kicking is going to be a strength of this team. Uh, field goal kicking, it's not going to matter if UK stalls in the red zone. You don't have to worry about uh, Lona Sieber going out there and shanking one. You're going, and you know, no disrespect to Sieber, but he wasn't that good of a kicker. Uh, you, you've got some faith in Austin McGinnis, and and that's going to be a strength for Kentucky. Kicking's the most underrated thing. I, I talked to to people in high school football that did coach or work in high school football, and and they like to laugh more than anything when you, when people make fun of that. No one cares about kicking kickers and punters don't count. It's the most important thing in high school football. You get a cat that can kick the ball 30, 40 yards accurately, accurately and have uh, accurately from on a regular basis. In high school football, you've got yourself one damn deadly weapon right there. And for Kentucky, I it's more. I agree with you when you talk about the red zone things. Nothing's more deflating when you're trying. I mean, you're working your butt off to get over a hump, and, and it's an uphill battle that's not easy to do, and not going to something that's going to happen in one year, maybe even two years or three years when you're coming from the state, the Kentucky, the area that Kentucky is trying to climb up the SEC. And nothing is more deflating when you're in a game. And a battle against a team that you nobody really thinks you're probably supposed to beat anyway, whether it be South Carolina, Mississippi State, Missouri, Georgia, whomever, and you get and you're just leaving points on the field. That that's when you have a nice drive and you got a good eight nine maybe a seven eight minute drive and and you end up having to settle for a field goal, which is not the most ideal thing to have to settle for a field goal. But it's even worse when you miss that field goal and you just wasted an entire possession that you've used good plays on to get down the field on. That, there's nothing more deflating than that whatsoever in football to me. Having a kicker, especially when it's accurate, and yes, 21 out of 27, for a freshman, you know, 77% is, I'd say, average-ish. I mean, it's, you could maybe get better a little bit, at least in college level. It's probably pretty damn good. The leg strength is a, definitely a perk. And the fact that he uh, really – He was a redshirt freshman. Again, you're right, a redshirt freshman. And of the six field goals he missed – you know, three of them were in the first two weeks, two of the first three weeks of the season, one against Florida and two against Ohio. And then, well, actually four of them, if you count Tennessee Martin, he missed one in that game. So he only missed one field goal from, from the 27th of uh, September, the Vanderbilt game, where he was one of one. He missed one, uh, two field goals after that game, one against Monroe, which really didn't matter, obviously, and the other one against Mississippi State, which does matter, but still is the least of the best of two, uh, lesser, lesser of two evils. So, I mean, the fact that he ended up going only missing two the last, you know, 80% of the seasons, pretty pretty good pretty good accomplishment going in. Now, the punting-wise, yeah, I, I got nothing to say. I'm just glad Jimmy Carr's not the punter there. I felt like he was there for like a decade. And you, you, you brought up a good point about him being a bit more accurate as the season went on. And accuracy is something that most players can, can improve on as field goal kickers in college. Uh, strength they can also improve on too, but that sometimes is, is harder. Either a guy can can knock the snot out of a football, or or he can't. Uh, and McGinnis has shown that he can. I think he can become a, a bit more accurate as a kicker, and I think you'll see that this year. And uh, UK is all good in, in that front. I'll give now, you an example of one guy, David Akers. You know that name. Played for the Eagles. Played for Louisville. Played at uh, played at Tate's Creek in, in Lexington. I mean, Louisville. I, I, 
loved him. He's one of my favorite Eagles. It's the only kicker jersey I've ever owned, number two Eagles jersey. I have still a green one. doesn't fit me, but I still own it. And I was a huge fan of his, but I was always – used to drive me nuts at Louisville. He was horrible accuracy, great power in the leg. Could nail him from 50-something out, but just had no accuracy, and it suffered at Louisville. In fact, Louisville lost to Kentucky. One of the big reasons was he missed three field goals inside the thir- inside 30 yards against Kentucky in that 94 matchup. Of course, Marty Lowe throwing an interception that would have won the game in the end zone didn't help either. But, you know, that was one of the bigger things. And he ended up going to Europe, working on his accuracy, came to the Eagles, was spent two years in Philadelphia as a, as a kickoff guy only. You know, they had uh, Norm, was it Norm Johnson, I think, was our, was our field goal kicker, and Akers was the kickoff guy until he got that accuracy down. And then he spent 12 years in Philadelphia, it seemed like, is one of the probably still to me, one of the probably the best left footed kickers in NFL history. So you can learn accuracy. When you've got the strength, and he's gotten. And your boy McGinnis has the, the leg power to hit it from 50-something. Accuracy can come, maybe not right away, but a little easier than, like you said, gaining the leg strength. We need to talk about return, guys. It's, it's unclear exactly who that will be. Uh, returning putts and kickoffs today was Sahim King, the freshman from uh, that, that UK got very late from Georgia, who's George, Georgia Offensive Player of the Year. When UK missed on Damian Harris, this is the guy they went after. Uh, and TV Williams, who will be a sophomore, who's the 5'10", the squirrely little guy that's unbelievably fast. Those are some of the guys that are returning. I, I'm not crazy about the idea of TV Williams returning. He can be elusive, but you do need somebody that's going to be able to break tackles if they're caught, like Randall Cobb was able to do. When you think of return guys at UK, Randall Cobb should be the guy that, that comes to mind, or maybe Derek Abney. Yeah. But I'm not sure if TV Williams will be will be able to do that now. Uh, Sahim King, we haven't seen him in a college game yet, uh, but he's really wowing people with how quick he is. Uh, he is slightly bigger than than TV Williams in terms of muscle, so I would be okay with that. Uh, I, you know, a guy like Ryan Timmons seems like he'd be the perfect guy, as he's been doing for the past few years. Um, hasn't really worked out from that sense, and also with his injuries, you probably just need to get him off the field as much as possible, except to catch passes. So. Uh, time will tell in the return game, but that that's that's been a part of UK's game that has been missing too, along with so many other factors. When you think of uh, UK's football, not their downfall, but this major slump that they've been in, uh, that you can make a lot of things easier for the offense with a big return. So we'll see if Sahim King will be able to do that. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's any guys in the secondary that would field the would feel that they want to get out there and return some kicks. I think JoJo Kemp would be another guy that I would be okay with. UK's a little short on depth at running backs, so maybe they want to take it uh, take it easy there. But, you know, Jeff Bidette also has some injury, has a history of injury, so maybe you, you don't want him back there as well. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who Kentucky feels most confident with. But if I had to guess, I, I think Saheem King will be back there. I assume TV is a nickname. He's not, not his Christian name, correct? Uh, that I... No, that's his. That's his name, TV well, Williams. Does, I'm does, sure. He was named TV. Well, I mean, that's. I should name yeah. my kid TV because that's been most of my my days watching it too. So I and mean, if, and if Kentucky wants to go with their best available player, put Stanley Williams back there because he he'll make things happen if he's returning kicks. I wouldn't. I you know if you're Kentucky, you don't put him back there to return punts because one cheap shot and his football career could be over. But he could also be out that game or out the season. Uh, but have him return kicks. It, you know, if UK really needs a good return. I think Williams would be the way to go there. If, if you want, if you want to go the Georgia route and put your Herschel Walker, Todd Gurley at kick returner, 
for for an extra weapon. I mean, it can work. It, it can. It's a double edged sword. Sometimes it can benefit. Sometimes it can be the negative of it. If he gets hurt in some situations, to me, special teams and little fans can remember can can relate to this, especially to me. If, if my special team guy, as long as he doesn't fumble the ball, just don't. Just, I, I don't. I'm not asking you to give me a bunch of touchdown returns. You know, one of my favorite. I'm going to go back to the Eagles reference, who was very good at special teams last year. But for many years, Brian Mitchell, a longtime Redskin and, and, and one time longtime Eagle, was a kick return. Never returned a touchdown. At least for Philadelphia, never returned. But he always got good seven or eight yards and never fumbled the ball. I don't think I ever watched him once fumble a punter kickoff in my lifetime. And in the entire years he was with both both franchises, I'm sure he did it one time, but I never saw it, especially with the Eagles. That's all I'd want. That's all you got to ask for out of your special teams at some point. And Louisville, who saw you know James Quick muffing a few punts here and there, that's just the, that, that's as bad as missing the field goal. I mean, that's even worse because you're giving up obviously a possession to the other team in giving them good field position, regardless. And you know, as long as you don't recover it. So if you're I'm Kentucky at this point, just find somebody that's going to catch the ball and hold on to the ball. And if they get anything five yards or more, then you know what? It's it's icing on the cake to me. Well, obviously you want to take care of the ball, but well, I, I do think Kentucky needs more production from their return game than they've had. But uh, we're out of time, and so we'll be back tomorrow, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Rob coming on. Trevor, I guess thanks, man. Does your head we'll, feel better? It, no, it doesn't feel worse. I'm going to go pop more Advil. Uh, but we'll, we'll, it'll be better tomorrow. Go take the Zeke Pike uh, remedy. That'll help you get feeling better. <laughs> oh, I couldn't even imagine. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Take a Jordan boy, show him how Kentucky do. Oprah Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget to seven, no be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of chrome. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to be G in my zone. Let me hear you say high time, sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life. When they say I'm doing wrong and I swear I'm doing right. Come on. Sitting by the river, got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Said it's time to take a trip to where the grass is blue and peep how the mid south do. Come on, it's okay.